Thank you for a wonderful time of worship tonight and prayer. Lord, I could just stay in your presence in that way all night and not even do a teaching. <laughs> Lord, it's just so beautiful when we all come together and exalt you and just get our eyes fixed on you. And I pray tonight that as we have this class on forgiveness, Lord, that you would turn our gaze towards you. Lord, I pray that you would work in our hearts and continue to draw us as you have been doing during the time of praise and worship, Lord. May you have your way in us and through us through this teaching. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So tonight we're looking at forgiveness, setting your captives free. And this is from the Bible study, Seeking Him. And we're looking at just some roadblocks that stand in the way of us having personal revival, ongoing revival. So I want to open with a paragraph that's actually from the Bible study. It says, forgiveness, the gift everyone wants to receive but finds it hard to give. It's not easy to forgive, yet forgiveness is one of the most important elements of personal and corporate revival. Who is like God? Who is like a God like you pardoning iniquity? I'll reread that from Micah 7 verse 18. The Old Testament prophet asks, when we repent of our sins, God mercifully releases us from our dead. Through the great cost of his son's death on the cross, As recipients of his forgiveness, we are called to forgive those who have sinned against us. When we release our offenders through forgiveness, we discover the key that unlocks the prison doors of our own hearts and sets us free to experience greater peace and joy than we ever dreamed possible. And can anyone here testify to what we just read? I see some heads shaking that we've all been there at one time, right? When we realize we were in bondage inside because someone sinned against us, but we were holding on to that offense. But the minute we chose to release them, God set us free. That's amazing how that works from the inside out. We have the key to unlock that door of unforgiveness inside. Forgiveness is a choice. A choice to remain in bondage or to forgive that person their offense and be set free. And how many of us, when we have chosen to take that pathway, pathway, it's like a weight is lifted off of our shoulders, right? Forgiveness allows us to be free. I love how Corey Temboom says it. To forgive is to set a prisoner free and to discover that prisoner was you. I think that's an awesome quote coming from an awesome lady that had to live that out in the concentration camps. Especially with her sister Bessie that she loves so much. Jesus said in Mark 11 verse 25 and 26, Whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him that your Father in heaven may also forgive you your trespasses. But if you don't forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive your trespasses. How do you read that? 
we're not forgiven unless we forgive. So that should like shake us to the core, right? If we're holding on to something against someone. Matthew 6 verses 9 through 13, Jesus told us to pray this way. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have. Catch that. As we have forgiven our debtors. Forgive us just like we forgive other people. Are we forgiving people much or little? Because depending on how much we forgive people, that's going to be measured back to us. We saw that in the verse in Mark chapter 11 verse 25 and 26 if you do not forgive neither will your father forgive in heaven your trespasses and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil and sometimes we can look at deliver me from the evil out there but what about the evil in here the evil attitudes we have in our heart that we need God to forgive us of inside right Psalm 66, verse 18. This was a scripture verse the Lord gave me early on when my husband was still in his sin. We didn't even know about pure life at the time. We were three months married, and he was going into Teen Challenge. And I remember the Lord gave me the scripture verse. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. And I had a lot of anger, bitterness, and resentment in my heart. But the Lord was showing me, if you can't come before me and intercede on behalf of your husband if you're holding on to it, I'm not hearing you. So I realized I got to let God do business in my heart. Still to this day, I tried teaching these classes. Like last week was a clear conscience with God, and this one on forgiveness this week was like that again. It's like, Choosing to forgive. Choosing to forgive. It's a choice. Choosing to forgive. Choosing to not hold on to this offense. I gotta let it go. I have to let it go. Barry Stagner, he said the one prayer that God wants to hear from us is that we agree with him about our sin, that it is evil, and we must repent because it grieves him. Then the Bible tells us, repent, therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out, so times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. So, again, that's from Acts 3, verse 19. So we're seeing how this repentance of whatever it is God points, puts his finger on in our heart is a requirement in order to experience that time of refreshing from his presence. Revival. Revival. Because that's... You're more aware when you're being revived, you are aware of the presence of the Lord. And it's a refreshing. I mean, I can't help but think about the worship tonight. It was wonderful just focusing in on who he is and what he's done for us that we know we don't deserve it. Everyone in this room knows I didn't deserve the mercy God showed me, nor my husband, nor in my marriage. We didn't deserve his mercy, but here we are to share testimony of his goodness to others that need to know. The need to know. So what we have to realize is even if someone has sinned against us in some way or offended us in some way and it hurt us. I mean, we do get hurt. People can hurt us with their words. Words can be like a sword, like a dagger that just stabs in there 
And then what happens in the mind? I mean, sometimes you feel like you're going to lose your mind. You're going to go crazy because that thing keeps running over and over and over and over. Right? But you know what helped me? Because a couple of months ago, we had a situation where someone was saying stuff about us that was not true at all. And I really had to go to the Lord with it. And the Holy Spirit in my prayer time said, I want you to look up all the scriptures of what they said about Jesus. So I did. And I'm going to read them to you. This is from my prayer journal. Look at what people said about Jesus. Because if anyone was uh, 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 spoken against or sinned against, it was him. No one was sinned against like Jesus was. Right? They called him a glutton, a wine-bibber, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. He was pure and spotless. Luke 7:34. They said he's out of his mind. He has Beelzebub by the rule of demons. He cast out demons in Mark 3, verse 21 and 22. Again, in Matthew 9, verse 34, they said he cast out demons by the ruler of demons. Matthew 24... 9.24 and Luke 8.53, they ridiculed him when he said the child is not sleep, dead but sleeping. So now they're mocking him. Matthew 13.57, they were offended at him. How many are offended today? Because of truth, right? He spoke truth and they were offended at him. Luke 4, verse 18 through 28. So all those in the synagogue, and this is amazing. These are all the religious leaders, mind you. These are the scribes and the Pharisees, people in the synagogue. So all those in the synagogue, when they heard these things, were filled with wrath towards Jesus and rose up and thrust him out of the city, and they led him to the brow of the hill, on which their city was built, that they may throw him down over a cliff. Talk about hatred, violent rage. And they were in the synagogue. They were in the synagogue. In Luke 5, verse 26, when Jesus was doing miracles, they said, we have seen strange things today when the Spirit was moving through Jesus. Mark 2, verse 16. How is it that he eats with, and drinks with tax collectors and sinners? Boy, that was really an issue for them. Matthew 9, verse 11. Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? Talk about harping on this. John 5, 16. The Jews persecuted Jesus and sought to kill him because he had done these things on the Sabbath. John 5.18, therefore the Jews sought all the more to kill him because he said he was equal with God. John 6.41, then the Jews complained about him because he said, I am the bread which comes down from heaven. Mark 3, verses 1 and 2, and he entered the synagogue again, and a man was there who was had a withered hand, so they watched him closely, whether he would heal him on the Sabbath, so that they might accuse him. 
Mark 3, verse 6. Then the Pharisees went out and immediately plotted with the Herodians against him how they might destroy him. Mark 7, verse 2. The Pharisees and some of the scribes, they found fault with Jesus' disciples. Mark 8, verse 11. Then the Pharisees came out and began to dispute with him. Matthew 12, verse 10. They asked him, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath so they might accuse him? Matthew 12, verse 14. Then the Pharisees went out and they plotted against him how they might destroy him. They really did not want him around. Matthew 15, 12. Then his disciples came and said to him, Do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard the saying? Matthew 19, verse 3. The Pharisees also came to Jesus, testing him on the issue of divorce. Matthew 21, verse 15. The Pharisees were indignant with him. Notice the words that the apostles used to describe how they were angry and they just, they were out to get Jesus. And Jesus was most pure, innocent, spotless, lovable. I mean, little children, for goodness sake, were drawn to him. So obviously they saw something in him that was the most loving and trusting that anyone could ever see in any human being. And yet look at what the religious are saying about him. Luke 6, verse 7, so they, referring to the scribes and Pharisees, again, watched him closely, whether he would heal on the Sabbath, that they might find an accusation against him. Luke 6, verse 11, they were filled with rage and disgust with one another what they might do to Jesus. Luke 9, verse 44, Jesus said, the Son of Man, referring to himself, is about to be betrayed into the hands of men. And it still didn't stop him from doing good to man. Luke 11, verse 53 and 54, the scribes and the Pharisees began to assail him vehemently and to cross-examine him about many things, lying in wait for him and seeking to catch him in something he might say that they might accuse him. Luke 13, verse 14, the woman with the infirmity of 18 years, was when she was healed immediately, the rule of the synagogue answered with indignation because Jesus healed on the Sabbath day. Luke 14, verse 11, they watched him closely. They were always watching him, looking to trip him up in something. Luke 15, verse 2, and the Pharisees described complaints, saying, this man receives sinners and eats with them. Here we go again. Luke 17, 25, and Jesus said of himself that he must suffer many things and be rejected by this generation back then. And still to this day is he rejected by this generation. Luke 19, 47, the Pharisees sought to destroy him. John 7, verse 1, Jesus had to walk in Galilee because the Jews sought to kill him. John 7, verse 7, the world hated Jesus. Because he testified of it that its works are evil. John 7, verse 11 and 12. The Jews sought, to, sought him at the feast, and there was much complaining among the people concerning him. Some said he's good. Others said no. On the contrary, he deceives the people. 
John 7, verse 26, Jesus asks, why do you seek to kill me? Why do you seek to kill me? And the people answered and said, you have a demon. Who was demon possessed? (laughs) It wasn't him. So John 7, verse 33 says, so there was a division among the people because of him. Isn't that interesting? A division. A divide. Because he just spoke truth, did truth, lived truth. John 8, verse 6, the woman caught in adultery. The Pharisees were testing him that they might have something of which to accuse her. Referring to the law says we should stone her. What do you say? What do you say? John 8, verse 37. This is. This is a wonderful verse. It just is wonderful. Jesus was just straightforward in all things, and I love that about him. He does not mince words. I love that about Jesus. He's very straightforward because he loves. When you love, you're pretty straightforward. When you really love someone. He said, you seek to kill me because my word has no place in you. That's why you seek to kill me. My word has no place in you. John 8 verse 40. But now you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth, which I heard from God. If anyone had pure, fine-tuned hearing with the Father, it was Jesus. And look, they wanted to kill him because of it. John 8 45. Because I tell you the truth, you do not believe me. There's a reason why I'm reading all these scriptures, so we're almost we're almost there, but there's a reason behind it. John 8, verse 48, Then the Jews answered and said to him, Do we not rightly say that you are a Samaritan and have a demon? John 8, 58, Then the Jews said to him, Now we know that you have a demon. John 8, 59, Then they took up stones to throw at him. John 9, 16, some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God because he does not keep the Sabbath. Others said, how can a man who is a sinner do such things? And there was a division among them. John 9, 24, we know, this is the religious again, we know this man is a sinner. John 9:53. the Samaritans did not receive him to pass through their towns because his face was sent for a journey to Jerusalem. John 10, 19, and 20. Therefore there was a division among the Jews because of these sayings, and many of them said, He has a demon and he's mad. Why do you listen to him? John 10, 31. Then the Jews took up stones again to stone him. John 10, 39. Therefore they sought again to seize him, but he escaped out of their hands. John 11, 53 and 57, after Jesus raised Lazarus from the tomb, on that day they plotted to put him to death that they might seize him. Then Matthew 10, verse 34 says, Judas Iscariot, who was one of his followers, one of his disciples whose feet Jesus washed, also betrayed him. He was very close in the inner circle with Jesus, and he betrayed him. 
Mark 3.19, Jesus, who was in the inner circle, I wrote that again, betrayed him. Luke 6, verse 15, Judas Iscariot became a traitor. So when the Holy Spirit led me to look up all these verses, by the time I was done, it was like, I got to release this individual. I can't hold on to, I mean, look at what they said about Jesus. Surely they're not saying that. I mean, at least they don't want us dead. At least not yet. I'm not sure there'll be another group that one day will. But I did nothing like this. And I knew, Lord, I have to forgive. Because when you look at Jesus and everything he went through and what people said about him, and this is the religious leaders, people in the church, in the synagogue, that were saying these things about him. Not the unsaved. The unsaved loved him. And he told them truth and they embraced it. The woman caught in adultery. I mean, how many? The guy at the, the pool of Salom that was healed. He told him, go, you're healed, but go and sin no more. Let the worst thing come upon you. I'm sure those people's lives were never the same again after that. How can it be after you've had an encounter with the Lord? But you think about Jesus, this is just this. I didn't even touch the crucifixion, what they did to him there. But yet, what did he say at the cross? Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And that's what we're looking at tonight, forgiveness. How do we forgive? We have to look at Jesus. We have to look at him and see what he did, what he went through, how he forgave. He's our example. He really is our example. So at the same time, the Lord was giving me these scripture verses. And what was real to me is either we can hold on to that offense or that unforgiveness or we can see things from Jesus' perspective. And I tell you, I have this written out on a card. If Samantha knows, probably has seen it on my prayer wall downstairs where she stays in my house. But I've had to put this in several places. Matthew 5, verse 10 and 11, Jesus said, Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely, for my name's sake. That's a part of being persecuted for righteousness sake. When they say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my name's sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad for great is your reward in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. And when the prophets were here, what did they say? They just gave truth. Thus says the Lord. Thus says the Lord. They recite, thus says God's word. Thus says the Lord. Because this is what God's word says. In Luke 6, verse 22 and 23, Jesus said, Blessed are you when men hate you, when they exclude you and revile you and cast your name as evil for the Son of Man's sake. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy, for indeed your reward is great in heaven, for in like manner their fathers did to the prophets. So 
To forgive, you have to like meditate on these truths. You have to meditate on scripture. You have to look at Jesus, but then you have to look at the word of God and see, okay, what does Jesus say about what I am experiencing right now in this area of maybe me holding on to an offense versus letting go like he did on the cross. Father, forgive them. For they don't know what they're doing. They're deceived. I mean, where would we be today if he didn't forgive us? With everything Jesus faced, including the mocking, the scoffing, the beating, the stripping, the crucifixion, in his heart was only full of love, forgiveness, mercy, grace. And he's our example. If you have a hard time forgiving someone that did something to you, whether past, present, or in the future, you have to look at him. He's your example. Because he will show you how to let go of that stone that you probably have in your hand and you just want to fling it with all your might and knock someone's teeth out. I mean, in reality, haven't you had times like that? You want to slap them or punch them or throw a stone at them? You know, the Jews stone you for everything. And I saw those stones in Israel. They're humongous. They're big stones. It's like, man, I can't even imagine getting hit with one of those things. Not one. They, they just go at it. But here's Jesus. And you know what's amazing? In Ephesians 4 verse 32, we're told to be kind to one another. Tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. That's the key. As God in Christ forgave you. And there's been, we've been counseling, doing biblical counseling for about 29, 30 years now. And when we have a believer that comes to the office and they're saying they cannot forgive, the husband, the father, the children, whoever it might be, a neighbor, someone in the church. We see a lot of people that come that have been hurt by other people in the church and they wind up leaving the church, but they hold on to that offense for years. I mean, they've been holding on for years. They, they have. I mean, they, but if they refuse to let it go, most of the times we'll question, have they really been to Calvary for themselves? Because when you've been there and you keep going back there and keep going back there and keep going back there, how can you not? How can you not forgive? So you have to question, have I really gotten a sight of what Jesus did for me? That I'm poor, wretched, miserable, blind, naked, have I really gotten a sight of that? Because if I have, then I will release my offender. We see that in Matthew 18, verse 23-35. This is the parable that Jesus gave. He said, Therefore the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And when he had begun to settle accounts, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. 
But he was not able to pay, and his master commanded that he be sold with his wife and children and all that he had, and that payment be made. That's what they used to do back then when you couldn't pay your debt. You got sold into slavery. The whole household went into slavery. But the servant fell down before him, saying, Master, have patience with me, and I will pay you all. Then the master of that servant was moved with compassion, released him, and forgave him the debt. But then that servant, he went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him only a hundred denarii. Far less than what his debt was. And he laid hands on him and took him by the throat saying, pay me what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down at his feet and begged him saying, have patience with me and I will pay you all. And he would not. But he went and threw him into prison that he should pay the debt. So when his fellow servants saw what had been done, they were very grieved and came and told their master all that had been done. Then his master, after he had called them, said to him, you wicked servant. And this is really, it's, it's referring to how Jesus forgives us. He said, you wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. Should you have not also have had compassion on your fellow servant just as I've had pity on you? And his master was angry. That master is Jesus. And delivered him to the torturers. Until he should pay all that was due him. How are we supposed to forgive others? We looked at those scriptures in the beginning. Just as God in Christ has forgiven us. But forgive us our debts as we forgive those who sin against us. And Jesus said if you don't forgive man from your heart. Neither will your sins be forgiven. So we see that this is a big issue. I remember counseling once. In, uh, I might have shared this in one of the Bible study that we've done in the past. And uh, <clears throat> I read these words to one of the wives that I was counseling. And she was enraged with me. Enraged. Because I told her, you have your husband by the throat, basically. And you want him to pay you back. He owes you. And she was, I never saw a wife so angry and she told me she said you telling me I have to forgive him don't you know what he did to me I said I'm not telling you you have to forgive him Jesus is telling you to forgive him these are not my words that's why I love biblical counseling because it's not your words it's Jesus's word so now faced with a decision what am I going to do with the words of Jesus she, she, she left my office. She said, I don't want to counsel anymore. I'm done. And I, my heart was grieved for her because I knew she's in trouble. If she doesn't get this, she's in trouble. Months later, I got a phone call from her. They told me she was on the phone, and I was kind of sweating. And I'm like, I don't know if I want to take a phone call. But it was like, no, she's calling, so I, let me take a call. So when I talked to her, she was a different woman. She was in tears. She was soft. She said, I repent, I repent, I repent. I did not realize that I was so hardened inside. 
And when she came from a, for a visit, you could see her whole countenance had changed. And her husband kept saying, this is a different woman. This is a different woman. So she had to wrestle it out with the Lord. That's what happened. She wrestled it out with him. And how many times have we been there? You know that we've had to wrestle it out with the Lord because we feel justified in our unforgiveness. But then yet, it's kind of like the woman caught in adultery. And when the Pharisees came and Jesus said, he who's without sin, cast the first stone. And they all started putting their stones down. Because there's only one pure spotless lamb of God and his name is Jesus. You know? So, again, when you look at how much money did the servant owe his master and the likelihood of that servant ever paying off that kind of debt, the same is relevant for us. I mean, with Jesus, we could never pay our debt. But yet, he, he had mercy on us. So you look at what, why was this person so ruthless and cruel in this parable and trying to collect this debt from his fellow servant, you know, and, and, and you think about, Jesus, what are you trying to communicate to me through this parable? And the reality is we've all been shown mercy, so much mercy. I mean, we heard it expressed in the prayer time and the worship time. It was so beautiful just hearing everyone expressing how thankful they are that Jesus rescued them. Well, because he's done that for us, then we should be merciful to others as well, even though they may not deserve it. I mean, in the world's eyes, I remember with my husband, I had women in the church telling me, divorce your husband, you don't deserve this. But every time I went to the Lord, the Lord said, I want you to love him and forgive him. I want you to love him and forgive him. But the women were telling me, leave him. Leave him. And in my heart, it was like, okay, this was like when he wound up the pure life, this was like the third program he went through. But in my heart, I was like, but what if he really repents? And now I'm hooked up with some other bimbo somewhere, you know. I really want to be with Jeff. He's my husband. So that was deep in there. It's like, but he might finally repent. So I'm going to throw in the towel? I'm glad I didn't. I'm glad I didn't. I wouldn't be here today. This church wouldn't be here today. I don't know where he'd be. He talks about it all the time. He always says, I would have either been dead or in prison or in jail. Just off the deep end somewhere, because he was, the drugs man made him insane. He was insane. In fact, we had uh, Glenn and Jesse over not too long ago, and she looked at my refrigerator, have old pictures of us when we were young, Samantha's laughing, because she knows my pictures up there. And uh, Jesse's looking at our picture, and she's like, who's the girl? And I told I'm not even answering that question. She's like, no, seriously, who is this girl? And then she looks at Jeff on the picture. She takes it off the refrigerator. She, she brings it to Glenn. She's like, look at them. <laughs> look at them. You know? And Josh, we used to have a, a state trooper that was an elder here. And the first time he saw that picture on my refrigerator, he looked at it. He said, yep, if I would have pulled him over, I would have threw him in the, in the sack, he said, because you just see it in his eyes. He was crazy. 
But I knew, God, you could break through that craziness. You could break through that. But if I regard iniquity in my heart, God's not going to hear me. So if I'm interceding for him with all this garbage in my heart, it's like hitting the ceiling. So I had to let God deal with the bitterness and the anger in my heart. The unforget- I had to let him deal with it. And he would remind me, how have I forgiven you those? How have I forgiven you? I had a large debt that I needed to be forgiven of before I met Jeff. And he would just keep reminding me that. Still to this day, he still reminds me, how have I forgiven you? And you get mad over this little stupid thing that he did? Sorry, Lord. Oh, you like that, though? Yes. And then we hold on to it, hold on to it, hold on to it. It turns into a root of bitterness inside, and then we wonder why we're snapping at each other. There's no grace there for each other. So as forgiven people, we must be willing to forgive others. God could have justly sold us into eternal slavery and anguish. Just like in this parable, parable, but he freely gave us a full pardon by sacrificing his own resources in order to pay our debt. And he didn't have to do that. So Jesus was teaching us in the parable that we are to forgive without limit. Over and over and over and over and over and over and over. For the same thing? Like Peter? What? How many times I forgive my brother? Surely only seven times. You've got to be a limit to this. No, Peter. Not only seven times, 70 times 70. Why am I telling you this, Peter? I want you to get into the habit of continually walking in forgiveness towards anyone, especially a brother. And you see this beautifully portrayed in the life of Joseph. I think Joseph is like the model child for how to be forgiving with others in Genesis 37. Think about what he went through. He faced abuse from his brothers. They were jealous and envious of him. They sold him in slavery. His brothers lied to their father, saying that he had been killed by a wild beast. He was falsely accused by Potiphar's wife. He was thrown in prison. Then he was forgotten in prison for two years when they promised, oh, yeah, I'll tell Pharaoh about you so you can get out. But what we see after a period of time, God had a plan for Joseph. He could have been the most unforgiving and bitter man in in Pharaoh's court. But he wasn't. What you see in Genesis 45, verse 7 and 8, it's amazing that Joseph says, God sent me before you here to preserve life. And God sent me before you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to keep alive for you many survivors. So it was not you who sent me here, but God. How many times he said God. He realized the hand of God was in the midst of everything he had gone through. God had allowed it to come into his life for a divine plan and purpose. Because Joseph was positioned there in Pharaoh's court. 
There was a severe famine going on at the time. But there was grain in Egypt. And Joseph was made vice pharaoh, if we could say it that way, in one day. Because he was able to interpret Pharaoh's dream. So God knew the famine was there. And it was going to be a great famine. And there would be no food. And he knew Joseph's family one day would be going to Egypt to get some food to survive. And God sent him through all these trials, which he could have got very bitter at God for. But he didn't. And we know that he didn't because it's amazing. In Genesis 50, verse 19 through 21, we see there's absolutely no bitterness in Joseph's heart at all. When he spoke to his brothers, when he finally revealed himself to his brothers that he was Joseph, he said to them, do not fear, for am I in the place of God? As for you, you meant evil against me. But God meant it for good to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. So do not fear. I will provide for you and your little ones. Thus he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. Why would the scripture include that? That he spoke kindly to them. What a beautiful picture, which really is a picture of Jesus, how he forgives. Joseph really is that picture of Jesus, how he forgives his brothers from the synagogue who have sinned against him. They were envious of him. They sold him into slavery. such a beautiful picture so again if you're struggling it's so important to meditate on what Jesus did meditate on the word of God how we are to forgive others but then too, look for biblical examples like Joseph is a wonderful example of how to forgive maybe even family members that have done us wrong how to release them see we can choose to remain a victim or we can choose to forgive and you don't want to be a victim. Because the victims stay stuck in the past. They stay stuck in the past. And God wants to not leave us there. He wants to bring healing. He wants to release you from the inside out so you're free to love. Just like Jesus did from the cross. No matter what they did to him things we don't even know about what he experienced spiritually what he bore on the cross spiritually and yet he said father forgive them for they know not what they do so Lord as we close this class tonight Lord I, I do pray that we would just continue to consider and ponder these words Lord thank you for your example Lord, thank you for forgiving us such a large debt. Lord, we are the ones that really, our debt was like 10,000 talents, maybe more. But you had mercy on us, Lord. And I pray that you would help us today and in the days ahead to give out that same mercy and forgiveness to those that have wronged us in some way, if they're saying things about us or if they 
call us names or whatever. You see what people get into. We get into the same thing. We do the same thing with people. But Lord, help us to remember to walk in your love and your humility and to be able to um, just release people from the debt that we feel they owe us, Lord. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.